0: Now, from under the floor panels of the Millennium Falcon, it's the IGN Digital. Please welcome, won't you, two guys who think the 1977 Star Wars will always be Episode 1, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Oh, how timely that Star Wars reference. Uh, Bob, Who uh, who's on board? Mikado Tukashima. Yeah. Or, empty. yeah. Empty. Yeah, empty.
1: You know, it's funny you would uh, mention uh, Star, Star Wars. Wars.
0: It's timely, right?
1: Nothing but Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Star Wars on Blu-ray.
0: Which uh, we don't have because Lucasfilm is stingy. And we're still working on it. But um, th- we go through this every single time there is something from Lucasfilm. And, uh, you know, Lucasfilm only owns like five or six films. And, uh, you know, they're like all Star Wars films and I think maybe a couple of other things. But every single time, man, it's like they, they, they let three, four people uh, review their stuff. They're neurotic. They, it's like, look, come on. It's a multi-billion dollar franchise. You, do you, are we really going to impact it? They're just so like, like Cold War neurotic over there.
1: Well, what I've heard. Yeah. What I've heard is that uh, the original trilogy looks great. And I've heard episode three looks fantastic. Yeah, that's great. I've heard episode one does not look. Episode one, which mm. was shot in thirty five, yeah, uh, has been scrubbed of all of its filmic grain. Why? Because probably because Lucas wants it all to look consistent. Whatever. I guess I don't know why. Whatever. That's what I heard. I heard uh, the uh, the original trilogy looks great. Episode three, uh, the one where Darth Vader now yells, n- yells no. no at the end. Yeah. That looks fantastic.
0: Episode 6, you mean.
1: Episode which one is 6 now? Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. No, the the original trilogy looks about as good as it's ever going to look. Yes. Episode 1... Not good because it was shot in 35. Yeah. It's been scrubbed. It's been scrubbed with digital noise reduction yeah. software. Boo. Uh, episode three. Episode three.
0: Well, three is the one where he originally screams no. And yes. then they changed episode six so that now he also goes no.
1: Which is Lucas saying, I really screwed up. So let me make it into like this bookend. It bookends the life of Luke. When he was born, he yelled no. And then when he was I, uh, he almost if died, I, he yelled no. I'm going no. to
0: I'm gonna, I'm gonna quote Patton Oswalt. If uh, if I could go back in time, I I would kill George Lucas with a shovel,
1: I would. <laughs> but then you wouldn't get Star Wars. That's
0: fine. I'm good with that. <laughs> that, that would change movie making for the better, really. If there had never been a Star Wars, I think everything would be much better. No no tent poles. It
1: would We'd, prob- been, we'd uh,
0: probably be enduring, you know, The Exorcist Part Twelve. But it, it,
1: it would have been something else. Something else would yeah. have filled well, that. Well,
0: like thing. I said, Exorcist Part Twelve. We'd we'd be going in a different direction, but. Yeah. But look, when
1: you, when you look at the Star Wars. Uh, 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 Six trilogy, six yeah. trilogy, yeah. Star Wars, classic. Mm-hmm. Empire Strikes Back, super classic. The
0: only film that I really like out of all the Star Wars
1: films. Uh, Return of the Jedi, lame. Phantom Menace, horrible. Men is horrible. Uh, the the Clone Clone, clone Wars, whatever. Is, is fine. And uh, the last one I liked. The it's all right. Sith, the okay. Sith, I, I thought was good. It's okay. So what we're talking about is two classics.
0: I'd say one one classic, one okay film, and then a bunch of crap. Kind of. Yeah.
1: Sorry, George.
0: Uh, Well, let's get on to uh, bigger and better things. We're still going to try and dig up those uh, those new Star Wars Blu-rays so that we can pass our judgment on them.
1: So we can see an hour and a half of deleted footage where there's an hour and a half of deleted footage.
0: I can only imagine what that deleted footage looks like considering what wound up on the screen. Hayden Christensen's better
1: performance... Boy, that guy—he's done Yee. nothing. No, he's God. done nothing. in Jake Lloyd, life nothing. Is,
0: life is a house. Jake Lloyd, Jake Lloyd. Come on, it's like Cary Guffey in Close Encounters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was <laughs> so
1: cute. Toys.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, with that reference, let's let's ju- do. We want to do some music or uh, knock out this handful of docs, this giant pile of television.
1: I, what I want to talk or new about first, what I want to, well, we should do new movies so that uh, we hook the, we hooked the, I'd li- say viewer, okay. we hook the listener, we hook the listener. By the way, speaking of listeners, um, are we doing it, are we doing this this week? Uh, we actually, we, we, the we recordings, re- yes, we are. We, we solicited, you bet, audio recordings of, of viewer, of uh, uh, questions, and uh, you guys delivered.
0: Awesome. Well, two we'll, people delivered, and we got a few little listener mail things that we'll read as well, but we'll, uh, We'll jump into that later on. You know, uh, new movies. Got one right here for martial arts fans. You're going to dig this. Uh, David Carradine looking way old in this movie. One of his last uh, performances. But uh, this is Yun Woo Ping, the great Hong Kong director, uh, back in form with True Legend. Now, Yun Woo Ping, of course, did the um, choreography and action directing in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and numerous other films, The Matrix, and... uh, He's really most famous for starting Jackie Chan's career as the director of the original Drunken Master back in the 1970s. Uh, it was 1978. So, uh, you know, what Yun Woo Ping has been around a long time, and he's really a legend. He's done uh, a number of classic films, even post-Jackie Chan. Michelle Yeoh shows up in this thing, and he, of course, directed Michelle Yeoh in Wing Chun, which also had Donnie Yen in it. And So, uh, you know, this has got great credentials, and uh, it is called True Legend, it stars Vincent Zhao, Zhu Jun, Andy On, An, Guo Zhangdong, Jie Shu, and Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh, who is extraordinarily ageless, I don't know how she does it, but she does it somehow. Uh, anyway, you know this is uh, this is actually forget about the plot. It's just terrific action, uh, really well choreographed, really impressive stuff. Uh, Andy On, An, who I'm not that familiar with. Is, uh, is pretty spectacular and it's, uh, it's just classic old school Shaw Brothers kind of kung fu stuff it really is uh, it's a blast and it's got David Carradine what can I say looks really good on Blu-ray and there's this bonus music download that you get with the uh, with the Blu-ray and the DVD I don't know what the point of that is but uh, I'll tell you the Blu-ray is fabulous the movie is really a whole lot of fun and uh, if you love this stuff if you got a yen for Shaw Brothers dig in
1: how, how old is uh, Run Run now? A hundred and two,
0: is he? That's a good question. While you carry on with that next outstanding film, I'm going to look that up.
1: Yes, you know, Wade and I are big fans of uh, Danny Boyle. And uh, Danny Boyle, he had an a early hit with Shallow Grave, kind of his first film, which I saw actually in Leicester Square in London before it came to the States. But uh, here he really took off with *Train Spotting*, which is finally on uh, Blu-ray. And *Train Spotting* is with Ewan McGregor and Johnny Lee Miller and Robert Carlyle, and it is just an energetic and profane and hilarious and wild and trippy look at some um, English uh, drug addicts. <laughs> it's really, it, it, It's not much. an easy film. No, it's not an easy film, especially if you uh, ever uh, picture yourself diving into a toilet. Uh, you might actually like it. I don't know. Anyway, the uh, Blu-ray looks great. Uh, the movie's in 185 And uh, it's got these big rich reds and blues And it's very colorful Because the movie is n- It's not an old movie But uh, you know it's, it's hardly It's hardly a big budget film And it's hardly that new of a film It's from 96 But still looks great on Blu-ray Looks absolutely fantastic uh, There are some uh, extra features Including an audio commentary by Danny Boyle Andrew McDonald John Hodge And Ewan McGregor Deleted scenes A retrospective which is nice Some interviews and uh, also, there's some stuff from Can, when played in Can, and uh, it's it's terrific. It's highly recommended. If you haven't seen it, you should definitely see it. It is about which uh, is a bunch of wild kids. It is just pure energy. It is just terrific, and it put Danny Boyle on the map. Really, truly on the map, where he has stayed ever since.
0: The uh, Run Run Shaw, who of course is the last of the four Shaw brothers. Uh, the others died in the seventies, eighties. Steve 80s. Shaw. Uh, no, actually, Run-D-Shaw, Run-Me-Shaw, and run Shah. Jog, G jog shaw
1: Jog-Jog-Shaw, Walk-Walk-Shaw, yeah, uh, Sprint-Sprint-Shaw. This
0: November, he will turn 104 years old.
1: You know, people say, oh, he's 104, he's still making movies. He's not making movies. No, he's not making movies. He's he, not making anything. He is expending all of... The, what little energy he has left, he is expending. He's just not dying. There
0: are all kinds of very strange stories about what he does to maintain his longevity. You know, like, like the, he has, you know... Uh, the the contaminants of a pig's gallbladder rubbed onto his skin. And then he, he takes infusions of like yak oil and who knows what else and eats, you know, boiled rutabagas infused with uh, you made that up. ginseng blood. I don't know. Um, but yeah, there are all kinds of weird stories about what he does. I don't know if it's true. It's funny.
1: No, it's not true. It's like you know when when, when people could say true. when when people say oh you you know oh lady you live to be one hundred and five what's your secret well I have a, I have a corned beef sandwich every day and a glass of wine okay that works for you <laughs> and you know it, it's probably just a coincidence because ultimately it's genetics okay yeah, if no, I eat a corned true. beef sandwich and a glass of red wine I could I could I could I could die at forty six yeah who knows yeah. So don't look at me like uh, you got it all figured out because yeah, you yeah. don't. No, you don't. Anyway, train spotting's is great, and it's I'm it. I'm,
0: i want it. Train spotting. Yes, sir. Uh, you know what? Uh, the uh, there's a number of things coming out now from uh, MGM, and uh, this is all. These are all burned to order. What do they call those things? M made M O uh, manufacture on demand M O D. That's what it is. Got a bunch of these uh, MGM M O D deals. Uh, so the, you know, transfers are okay. Remember, they're all DVD-Rs. Uh, so nothing just mind-bogglingly spectacular here. But they're all interesting little cult, kind of cult films that have a certain cachet and a certain uh, niche interest. And uh, so if you're one of the audiences that's kind of saying, I wonder, where has, been, where has One Man's Way been all these years? Well, there you go. It's out now. Uh, one Man's Way is, uh, stars Don Murray as Norman Vincent Peel. If you have no idea who Norman Vincent Peale is, this will mean nothing to you, and I don't have time to explain it. But uh, he was one of those uh, kind of 50s-era, 40s, 50s-era minister guys who inspired the nation in some strange way. Anyway, Don Murray. Probably don't even know who Don Murray is, so why does it matter? Um, There's a movie here that is so obscure, I'm kind of amazed that they even did this as manufacturer on demand. This is just... This movie, honestly... uh, It's, I'm, I'm, I'd be surprised if even, Mark, tell me if you've even ever heard of this. It rains in my village. You ever heard of it?
1: Oh, yeah. It's a story about a guy who uh, lives in a village where it rains.
0: See? You had no idea. Uh, This is from 1969. It is a Yugoslavian film entirely in Serbian. And uh, it's, uh, it's kind of, almost like an American tragedy uh, done Eastern European style. I don't. This film, literally, it was sort of part of the Czech New Wave, except that it's not a Czech film; it's a Yugoslavian film. But it kind of came over here, piggybacking on the Czech New Wave. And uh, really, the only thing that makes it stand apart is that Annie Girardot is in it, and she she was really a terrific actor at the time. But otherwise, there's nobody here that really. Uh, this is just one of those very odd little foreign language films that. So Somehow. then
1: stop talking about right. it. Nobody cares.
0: Okay. Jules Verne's Master of the World. That's one that everybody should really appreciate. Uh, Master of the World was a lot of fun when it was released, directed by William Whitney, who nobody ever heard of, but this is why it's worth watching, because the screenplay by Richard Matheson, the great, wonderful, fa- fabulous, spectacular Richard Matheson, who wrote you know all the source material for everything from Somewhere in Time to uh, you know t- tons of Twilight Zone episodes. Uh, amazing oh even Richard Matheson wrote uh, I Am Legend
1: yes Twilight you know? Zone he's a big Twilight Zone guy
0: yeah so uh, Master of the World is his adaptation of the Jules Verne uh, basically the, it's like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea except in the air and um It's not bad. Vincent Price kind of overacts like mad and Charles Bronson is understated and they're the only stars in this thing but uh, you know the the whole idea is that he's like a crazy man. Basically it's like uh, Captain Nemo with an airship That's all you need to know Uh, Tomorrow is Forever. Great performances by Claudette Colbert and Orson Welles and Orson Welles who is increasingly starting to look rather old and corpulent This is Orson Welles just on the verge of becoming uh, what Benny Hill would mock as Orson Buggy Great music by Max Steiner. Really, really classic. Um, and uh, this is kind of a little bit like the return of Martin Gare uh, ish. It's kind of got that same vibe, you know, guy comes back from war. Um, great performance here from Natalie Wood as well. Not a huge part in the film, but uh, really quite good. So, And I'm a sucker for Natalie Wood. Um, Mark, I, uh, I, yes, I, I did not get this film. Um, you're a Mark Ruffalo fan. Please explain to me.
1: Well, uh, Sympathy for uh, Delicious is... Um, Mark Ruffalo can't direct. ...is about a guy who's just delicious.
0: I, I, Mark, why is it that all you know, the actors we least expect to become directors often become directors? Uh, Peter Berg? Really? Battleship? <laughs> Come yeah. on.
1: I don't know what, uh, what, I don't know what he did to warrant being able to direct this movie. I don't either. But it is, uh, it's kind of confusing, and it's not very well shot. And uh, I don't really necessarily like it. In fact, I don't like it. And you know, it's um, it's about a uh, a guy in a wheelchair, who's a DJ. He's a former DJ, and he winds up in a wheelchair, and he can't be a DJ anymore. He's paralyzed after an accident, and he meets this uh, priest, who I'm, introduces I'm him bored to the world. Already. Of, uh, yeah, just you know, I mean, here's the thing: when you're making a movie about it, a, it just a, feels a, like
0: indulgent actor movie.
1: Well, I I'm telling you. Mark Ruffalo, he's going to make that movie. Yeah, there. He seems like he seems like one of those guys who's like, I'm so empathetic as an actor, I'll be so, and I'll yeah. give the actors all the space they need. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. is he telling me a story, or is he just indulging the actors in their worst tendencies? I mean, here you've got uh, a good cast. Orlando Bloom is in it. Laura Linney, Juliette Lewis. Uh, Ruffalo's in it, too, and Christopher Thornton is the, uh, the wheelchair guy. And you know what? I just uh, It's just not that compelling.
0: We got a straight-to-video thing here, a straight-to-DVD deal from the Warner Premiere line, which, you know, that's Warner's uh, direct-to-DVD label. It makes it sound a little bit more sophisticated than just saying these movies are all crap. Uh, this is a Cinderella story once upon a song. This is now becoming kind of a cheeseball, B-level, straight-to-video franchise, and it's the same crap over and over. It's uh, it, it's kind of a tween, updated rock and roll version of Cinderella over and over and over again. It is Warner attempting to cut in on some of that tweener, young Disney audience and uh, doing a very bad job of it. Uh, the girl who stars in this thing, Lucy Hale, she's cute enough. Um, but, you know, that just makes us sound like dirty old men for me to even say that. So, look, if you have, like, a 13-year-old daughter, let her watch it. It'll keep her occupied for a couple hours.
1: Uh, also, um, on Blu-ray is a 40 Days and 40 Nights. This is a um, romantic comedy from 2002 starring Josh What the Hell Happened to Me Hartnett. What happened to that guy?
0: <laughs> I have no it's idea. Over. It really is. He was, You know, he was rumored for... 18 seconds to be uh, the new Superman, and then Brandon Routh got the part, and then Josh Hart was done. It was done. It was like I know. Pearl Harbor and then almost Superman, and then it was over.
1: I feel bad for Brandon Routh, because he was good in that movie. Yeah. He was good in Superman. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's... Uh, anyway, Josh Hartnett, uh, he undergoes a terrible breakup, and he winds up sleeping around, and then he decides to have no sex for 40 days or 40 nights, and You see me not having sex for 40 days and 40 nights, not a problem. Somehow, for Josh Hartnett, a big problem. Yeah. And uh, you know what? I'd pass on this. Special features include an audio commentary by the director, Michael Lehman. And uh, that's pretty much it. It's lame.
0: Yeah, all right. You know, uh, VCI, uh, among the fun things that VCI is doing, they have gotten rights to a lot of the old Rank uh, films, the classic British Rank library. Oh, it's Rank, all right. Oh, yes, it is. And uh, they're now releasing them as part of the Rank collection. And uh, some of the stuff is just junk. Rank did a lot of crap as well. But you know what? This brilliant, beautiful, wonderful, delightful comedy. uh, Genevieve. This one has been largely forgotten, and it's too bad. And to their credit, they're releasing it not just on DVD, but on Blu-ray. Yay, Blu-ray. Great extras on here, too. Uh, There's a thing called Profile of Genevieve, which is kind of a, uh, you know, just a a general kind of recap, uh, reminiscence look back at the thing. Got some great interviews on here. Really a lot of fun. Uh, And and Genevieve almost feels like a Disney film in some ways. I mean, the color is very reminiscent of Disney films at the time. And the comedy is very kind of reminiscent. It's really just a wonderful, lively-spirited family comedy. And uh, I highly recommend it. This is from 1953. Looks almost like a film from the 60s, but really a lot of fun. And a good cast, too. You know, A lot of these people like Kay Kendall. And Kenneth Moore, really good. And then also from the Rank Library, uh, real quickly, we've got *The Black Tent*. Uh, This was directed by Brian Desmond Hurst, and uh, this is you know sort of wartime uh, desert melodrama, is what it is. Uh, It's all it's all about a you know basically takes place in Libya. Um, just on the uh, very beginning part of World War II. And, you know, Libya was like a big deal in World War II, you know, with Tobruk, and there were a lot of battles that took place in Libya. People don't realize that today's Libya, battles were going on in World War II as well. This is from 1956. Uh, It's all right. It's kind of, you know, a standard uh, melodramatic war era film. Uh, And then this is one of the bigger films that the Rank Corporation did back in the days. Frederick March in Christopher Columbus. Not bad, really, actually. Uh, all in some ways better than the other two crappy Columbus films that were made uh, not too many years ago when they did the 500th anniversary. You know, we had 1492 and then Columbus, uh, the, the thing that the Salkines produced. This one's actually quite nice. It's a nice little uh, period film from 1949, very stylishly made, very nicely shot. And Frederick March makes a very, very good Columbus. So uh, not bad, not bad, not not great, but a nice little, uh, nice little throwback and a nice little forgotten film that has been resurrected. I recommend it.
1: Wade, do you recommend the uh, 1977, uh, not so classic, "The Hills Have Eyes"?
0: Not really, but I still think that Michael Berryman is one of the coolest, creepy guys ever.
1: He was in Star Trek V. I, I, I think he was one of those guys in Star Trek V, wasn't mm-hmm. he? Yeah. He's like bald and yeah, he's he's almost like. Like Marty Feldman's evil yes, twin brother, very much so. Uh, Wes Craven was trying to sort of uh, he was trying to sort of eclipse Toby Hooper's um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre when he made The Hills Have Eyes. It's about a all American waspy family that winds up uh, stuck in the desert and they get attacked by the retarded cannibals. Retarded cannibals, Wade.
0: That's great. I love it.
1: And uh, it is absolutely crazy, and the family gets just, like, shot and disemboweled, and, you know, a lot of them just die horribly. And But that's what's Craven. And, of course, we're talking 1977 here. Um, does this look good on Blu-ray? Of course not, because it was low-budget in 1977, so it's not going to look great. But, uh, you know, it inspired a sequel, which doesn't mean much, but there you go. And uh, it's not as good as Texas Chainsaw. I think that... Um, Craven was obviously trying to one up Toby Hooper. Yep. But Texas Chainsaw is the classic. I'd I'd pass on Hills Have Eyes unless you really love this sort of stuff.
0: Uh, Michael Berryman just freaks me out, and for that, I I would recommend it. You know, uh, Ingmar Bergman made a film called Face to Face with uh, two of his very favorite actors of all time Liv Ullman and Erlen Josephson who show up in almost all of his movies this is 1976 uh, during a particular period in Bergman's career kind of you know post Cries and Whispers and pre Fanny and Alexander and around the same time as uh, Scenes from a Marriage so he's sort of in a certain zone and uh, it's a very depressing zone uh, Liv Ullman plays a psychiatrist who's losing her mind there's irony for you this is a gritty, grueling, difficult film, amazingly photographed by Sven Nykvist, who always does great work for, uh, uh, for um, Bergman. But here's the thing that I don't understand. This demands to be like a Criterion release or some kind of other hoity-toity release. Instead, it's coming out from Olive Films as part of their sub-licensing deal with Paramount. Like Paramount said, yeah, that's that's crap. We don't really know what to do with that. It's some kind of foreign thing. It's like got a Swedishy language deal going. We're not gonna really do anything with that because uh, Transformers is our bag these days. So here you go, uh, you go pick up a few pennies. That's I don't it. get it. It's an Ingmar Bergman film, man. Let Criterion run with this or something. I mean, all respect to Olive, they're, they're, it's fine. But, you know, there are no extras on here. It's not that great of a transfer. This thing is just screaming to be done right and on Blu-ray. I don't get it.
1: Maybe Olive offered more money.
0: I guarantee the you they did. sub-license. Didn't. I guarantee you they did not.
1: Not a chance. Yes, Wade? Uh, By the way, later on we have uh, audio yes. listener questions. Audio listener mail. We sure do. Which you can send us, by the way, gods at digigods.com. Audio listener mail.
0: And uh, as long as we're on Swedish films, I'm going to segue to uh, a couple of criterions. One is My Life as a Dog, also by a Swedish director, Lassie Hallström, who has not directed a decent film since. He came to Hollywood after My Life as a Dog and made a lot of crap. But in 1985, he made his masterpiece with My Life as a Dog, which is now on a Criterion Blu-ray. And it's gorgeous, what can I say? It's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, this is one of the, the most odd and inspiring and heartwarming coming-of-age family dramas you will ever see. And uh, it really is very... It's like this is when Lassie Hallstrom was a good filmmaker, firing on all cylinders. Uh, There's a great video interview with the, uh, the has-been director himself. Uh, I'm kind of backhanded compliment there, aren't I? And then uh, a few other extras, trailer and the usual booklet and uh, a little thing here called Shall We Go to My or Your Place or Each Go Home Alone? That's an odd, awkward, long title for a, uh, uh, a very peculiar film. That's uh, a film that Holstrom made in 1973 and... Uh, I'm not quite sure what I think of it, but anyway, it's on there if you want. And then also out from Criterion, which uh, you've got to get, is Three Women, an absolutely terrific Robert Altman film from 1977 that is way, way, way forgotten and underrated. Uh, this actually has the previously recorded audio commentary from Altman, which, who, of course, is deceased now, and uh, along with lots of amazing gallery of uh, production material and uh, trailers and television spots. It's really, really awesome. And the film itself is terrific you're going to see an unbelievably young Sissy Spacek in here along with an unbelievably young and surprisingly attractive Shelley Duvall Uh, you know just three years before she got chased all over creation by Jack Nicholson but uh, this is just really really a, a fascinating look at uh you know women and how they interact and uh certain family relationships i won't give anything away but three women one of the great robert altman films largely forgotten now on criterion in a terrific blu-ray you gotta see it
1: yeah Wade likes it a lot of
0: good stuff this week man
1: mikey he likes it Uh, altman Altman, baby yes
0: From altman we go to Uh,
1: we go to thor
0: Oh, well, that's a perfect transition. Isn't it, though? If Altman were still alive, he'd be doing a Thor film.
1: Well, you know, Altman did do Popeye. Yes, he did. Which, by the way, I love Popeye.
0: I think Popeye's great.
1: I mean, seriously, come on. That thing was so, uh, so disrespected, so underappreciated. Uh,
0: good, 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 good.
1: I mean, come on. The production design, the songs, Robin Williams was perfect. Come on. He really was. He was great. Duvall was born to play that role. True. Ugh, I don't get it. Yep. Anyway, Thor. I like Thor. Um, it, they picked we both red- like Thor.
0: We were surprised how much we liked it.
1: Yeah, you know what? It's it's sort of in that. Uh, it's not Superman or Dark Knight or Spider Man Two, but it's in that very respectable uh, list of B level comic heroes who wind up being. Uh, put see, into I, a loved, movie. I loved.
0: I love the comic, and I love the fact. I, what I what I like about this is they hired the right director. Brianna really brought a. He understands that the the whole Norse mythology mystique to it. Really is an extra layer because it's Thor is not a superhero creation. Thor is an actual mythological figure who was adapted into the comic world in a very peculiar way. I mean, you don't find that a lot. And most comics heroes are originated in their various comic books. Thor is not. So there's all this lore that goes with Thor that you sort of inherit when you turn him into a comic book hero. And so there's a bit of a legacy thing you have to honor. And I, and I thought Branagh did a beautiful job of staying true, not just to the comic book, but to the sense that we're going to, you know, we're really going to, we're, we're going to treat this whole Asgard and Norse god thing with a certain degree of respect and, and acknowledgement. And it's, it's beautifully put together. I mean, the production design of this film is fantastic.
1: Yeah, you know, it's well cast. Yeah, Anthony Hopkins is the father and this Aussie guy. Odin. Uh, Odin, this Aussie guy, what's his name? Uh, he was very good. Uh, Chris Hemsworth, and it's oh, got a great, great. supporting cast: Rene Russo, Kat Dennings, um, Colin Fiore.
0: Why are all the studly dudes all Australian? Is that the only place we find real men anymore? You know, I'll tell you what happened
1: to Sam Worthington. That guy just dropped off the earth. No, he, 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 he did he, Avatar he, and he did uh, Terminator, and yeah, now he's, he's in, gone.
0: He, no, well, but he's in he's in the the the, the debt.
1: Ex- exactly.
0: With Helen Mirren.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Which actually did okay. It's doing all right. Um, video wise, this is good stuff. I mean, this is uh, it's very uh, it's very colorful and it does not uh, need to be seen in 3D. Yeah. Here's the thing. This is a, a 3D Blu-ray, a regular Blu-ray, a DVD, and a digital copy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, which I don't see the need for. Nope. No. Uh, did, did, we see Thor in, uh, did we see Thor in 3D? Yes, we did. Yes. Yes, and was that the one we were taking? Or, no, Captain America was the one we we were taking. Taking glasses the glasses off,
0: off yeah, because it was the shutter thing. No, Thor was you know didn't need to be in three D.
1: No, you know Thor. It looks good. It sounds even better. Uh, it's got a great soundtrack. There's a bunch of uh, uh, special features, audio commentary, a fun audio commentary with Kenneth Branagh. Um, it's a great commentary. He really gets into the making of the film what he was thinking about what he was working towards bunch of featurettes a couple of deleted scenes actually it's almost 25 minutes of deleted scenes so um, Thor definitely worth a rental I would say worth a rental
0: got four films here from the amazing film movement we love film movement I was just reading about some of their acquisitions or one of their acquisitions actually at the Toronto Film Festival I think this is a very smart company it's kind of the uh, movie of the month club uh, format that they go with and then they release them to uh, the commercial market soon thereafter so if you want early access to these cool films little film festival in your own house Uh, you want to go to filmmovement.com. Terrific stuff. Great independent foreign films that would otherwise slip through the cracks. Uh, The best of this lot is uh, Illegal, which was a big deal at the Cannes Film Festival in 2010. Uh, Basically, the story of a Russian woman who is an illegal immigrant with her son in Belgium and uh, the ordeal that they go through as a result. Uh, It comes with a terrific short film uh, called uh, Rita by Fabio Grassadonia and Antonia Piazza. That's my way of mutilating someone's Italian names and then another very good film If I Want to Whistle I Whistle by by Florence Serban a Romanian filmmaker who's a little more dynamic than a lot of other Romanian filmmakers these days I find that Romanian filmmakers are uh, in- increasingly getting there's a few good ones you know like uh, 432 but man some of them are just painful uh, anyway this is uh, this guy he's juvenile delinquent and um, comes from a really messed up family and, uh, it, you know what, it's um, it's an interesting look at the wasted youth of uh, Eastern Europe in ways that I found both disturbing and compelling. Colors of the Mountain is uh, a nice little film from Colombia, maybe a little bit too nice, but very well photographed. Comes with a terrific short film called The Swimmers from Cuba. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's uh, th- 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 a little bit too quaint for me, actually, but uh, another nice look at childhood in that, Kind of South American quaint way that they're increasingly doing to try and make people see them as a more humanistic place. And then uh, another very very good film, uh, which our good friend Bob Kohler went completely bananas for, called it "Pure Grade Art Cinema." Right there on the cover. There's Bob's quote: "Pure Grade Art Cinema." I don't know what that means, Bob. Please. It means
1: it, it is it is like pure cocaine, is pure okay. uncut, undiluted. Well, what's by interesting by mainstream sensibilities' way
0: I guess. Whatever. What's interesting about this is that uh, the short film and the feature are both by the same filmmaker. I think that's pretty great. Uh, he's uh, basically, the, the, you know, we're talking about French language films, French and Arabic, but the filmmaker himself, Mamat Saleh Haroun, is from Chad. And you know, I know a lot of people are thinking Chad. They have a film industry in Chad? Not really there's french money that will follow a good filmmaker who may be from chad uh anyway the movie in this case is a screaming man and the short film is expectations and there are a lot of uh, similar similar themes to both of them uh i won't go too much into detail but uh, it's it suffice to say it's about the this is it's about the hell of actually living in chad and uh, the movie itself is about the civil war in Chad. And a lot of people are like, really? There's civil war in Chad? You know what? This thing got a lot of recognition, a lot of festivals. And uh, it's very illuminating because Chad is not that far from Libya, you see. So if you watch this, you might understand a little bit more about the tribal problems in Libya. So educate yourselves, people. Educate yourselves. Yeah. Uh, that does it for films, Mark. What are we moving on to now?
1: Well, that's it. That's all we have.
0: That's it. Uh, that's it for movies. New movies. We've got gobs of television here. Got to...
1: You know what? That's a big pile of TV, Should Wade. we?
0: Should we go to uh, do a little uh, listener mail? and Ooh, do Let's some do audio. that. Yeah, let's do the audio stuff.
1: Audio listener mail. Here we go. You know what? If we were, uh, uh, if Paul Schaefer was here, yes, he would. Mm, he would write a song. Yes, he would. Let's do audio listener mail, Paul.
0: And then there'd be music. But audio we don't, we don't.
1: listener mail.
0: Hi, guys. Love the show. This is Lorenzo from Portland, Maine. My question is, will we ever see The Beatles' Let It Be on DVD
1: or Blu-ray? And why haven't we seen it yet? Thanks.
0: Yeah, that's long time listener Lorenzo Raffa, who's written some openings for us, too. Uh, you know, it's a really good question. Let It Be was a, a bit of a sensation, in not in both good and bad ways, when it was released. And the guy whose name escapes me, but the guy who is kind of like the gatekeeper of all things Beatles. He's sort of like to the he is to the Beatles today what the Colonel was to Elvis, you know, the gatekeeper, the shielder, the protector, the keeper of the flame. Um, this "Let It Be" was supposed to be released like two or three years ago and um, it's now just sitting around, and and they've got a restored version of it. It's been restored. It's, like, ready to go. It's Blu-ray ready. It's streaming ready, the whole thing. But for whatever reason, they're not going there, I guess because he feels that now... They're afraid of any controversy. They're afraid of sullying the reputation of the Beatles or in some way igniting, you know, controversy over the reputations of, you know, now deceased John Lennon and uh, George Harrison. It's very strange.
1: I'm also not sure if Letter B... Ever even was released on VHS? Have I ever seen? Have you ever seen Let It It, Be in any home video format? It
0: it was there was a very early VHS release, which I think it it, you know you can see boot like crazy bootlegs for sale on eBay for like hundreds of dollars or whatnot. It's out there. It's floating around. I mean, obviously, you know, there's a thriving black market piracy uh, underground that's uh, making a mint off of it, but. I just think it's so strange, this this hyper-protectiveness that they have with respect to the Beatles' reputation over that movie. It's not like it's that controversial. I don't know what the big deal is.
1: But apparently they think
0: it is. Well, but here's
1: the thing, though. If you really want it, here's here's the real deal. Yeah. There's a company called Fab Productions. Yeah. And Fab Productions, they do uh, illegal bootleg versions of Beatles movies. Mm -hmm. And they have released Let It Be on Blu-ray. Now, I'm Good just saying... Good luck finding it, though. Huh?
0: Good luck finding it.
1: I'm just saying, if you Google yeah. Fab, F-A-B, if you yeah. Google Fab Productions and let it be...
0: And it ain't going to be the restored version. I'm saying it's yeah.
1: not... It's, this is not a 4K transfer. Correct. This is just... Yeah. The only way you'll ever see it on Blu-ray is to go through these Fab yeah. production people. True. I'm just saying.
0: And we, we got another uh, another listener uh, audio mail, Mark, but it's... Uh, do we want to warn people?
1: This one's a little—it's uh, a little uh, psychotic.
0: It's a little crazy. Okay, well let, let's let's uh, let's unleash it. A hey Mark and Wade, simple question here. A hey Mark and Wade, simple question here. When is Tarantino's Kill Bill a whole? When is Tarantino's Kill Bill the whole bloody
1: affair coming out as one big beautiful Blu-ray? Bloody affair coming out as one big beautiful Blu-ray.
0: Yeah. Hey, Mark and Wayne, simple question here. Yeah, that was Mario Mendez using Songify to um, uh, give us a little track that we could dance to, right? Uh, asking us basically when. when um, when the Kill Bill, the whole bloody affair, is going to come out on Blu-ray, and uh, everyone's been asking that for years now. Obviously, that got caught up in the whole Miramax library changeover when you know all hell broke loose, and Miramax was cut loose from Disney, and and you know the Weinstein's were cut loose from Miramax, and then the, the, the whole thing went on on the chopping block about two years after that. And uh, so now you have Ronald Tudor who is the big, you know, grocery chain magnate who uh, has taken over the Miramax library and we're slowly getting Miramax movies coming out from Lionsgate uh, or at least the A-list stuff from Lionsgate. And then uh, Echo Bridge is releasing the B-level stuff or the stuff they don't think they can make a lot of money at. And I guarantee you at some point now the much delayed release of Kill Bill, The Whole Bloody Affair will finally come out uh but they've got to sort of get all their ducks in a row and i just don't think that that they're they're there yet they want to make quick money right now to pay off the hundreds of millions of dollars that they spent on the library and i'm not sure that that means they want to spend a lot of stuff on Doing things new, unlike we're going to spend a million. No, they want stuff that's already in the bank, stuff that's already transferred, already mastered for for high def, and they want to just make a buck off of that. And then we'll start doing new special editions in who knows two three years. So I got to be honest with you, I don't I don't see the whole bloody affair coming out for at least another year.
1: Well, that's a shame. I People, could be wrong, well, but I, I don't see it. I. I think you might be right. I think that the company has other things to worry about than Kill Bill. Although if they want to make themselves a pretty penny, they they could crap it out. The thing is that if they crap it out in order to make a quick buck, it's really going to piss people off. It will. People have been waiting for this thing for so long that now they have an obligation to do it right. They have an obligation to hit a home run with it. And if they're not prepared to hit a home run, then why even do it?
0: I agree. Uh, well, real quickly, this is what uh, kind of spawned this, uh, Are suggesting that maybe people send in some uh, audio questions. We've got an email from Walt Dietrich in uh, Las Vegas who said on a recent episode, you talked about His Girl Friday, glossing over it in the assumption that everyone knows it's a fantastic romantic comedy and certainly one of the greats and one that all others should be held up against. I believe this was in response to the stereotypical romantic comedy of today starring Katherine Heigl. <laughs> Uh, My question suggestion is to have both of you, uh, or to you both, is to have a segment of the show, if not every week, then every couple of weeks, where you name some of your favorites of a particular genre. Uh, And uh, he goes on to sort of suggest that maybe we'll have, you know, like action and horror, drama, animated, and that we actually uh, maybe make this a segment on a regular basis. I I don't know that we can do this on on that regular of a basis, but it's an interesting idea, and certainly to take audio questions, that's what prompted us. We thought, well, that'd be interesting, Why why don't people kind of throw audio questions at us maybe suggestions or questions about movies i don't know we'll we'll kind of take your your inquiries and your comments at gods at digigods.com and see what direction this pushes us in
1: yeah if it wasn't for this email we would not we would not be taking uh thanks walt audio listener mail audio listener mail it's got a song
0: uh, one other, one other, one other listener okay. mail I wanted to read real quickly. This is from Lauren Meehan. It says I've really been enjoying uh, recent great films such as Grindhouse, Hobo with a Shotgun, Machete, and Black Dynamite. Are there any other films that, uh, you know like these that you know about or can recommend? And what genre would these kinds of films be under? Thank you. The genre would be exploitation films. There are a lot of subgenres of exploitation. Uh, you know, they sometimes call them B Black movies.
1: Exploitation. Black
0: exploitation, sex exploitation, all of that. I would recommend that you go out and you rent a little old documentary called Schlock: The Secret History of American Movies, which I co-produced, which was written and directed by our very dear friend Ray Green former editor-in-chief of Box Office, and uh, also now a colleague of mine at KPCC. I don't know if you know that. Oh, is that right? Yeah, no, Ray does uh, Ray does a lot of uh, audio documentaries for the Off-Ramp series at, uh, on NPR.
1: Oh, that I know. I, yeah. I, I thought you meant he's been joining you on Film No, Week.
0: no, no, he's not joining Film Week. It's, uh, Tim and I are on Film Week, but uh, Ray does those Off-Ramp documentaries, which is his, that's where he really excels and uh anyway schlock is a great primer on that whole genre as far as recommending all those films that, that you mentioned uh, are they're sort of like homages and spoofs of the genre rather than the original films uh man you could get there are literally hundreds and hundreds of these movies oh, the, come the Cor- on you the got, uh, films
1: yeah uh across 110th street Black yeah. Belt Jones.
0: Yeah, well, those, those are the exploitation things. You could even go those. to stuff like... Uh, you Blackenstein. Know, a Bucket of Blood and uh, a lot of the, the Doris Wishman stuff. I mean, on and on and on and on. It's just a gigantic world. But Schlock is a great documentary, and it's a great primer on that world and kind of gives you a, a sense of where to start and where to go. Dolomite. All right, with that, Mark, shall Dolomite. we dive Dolomite. Dolomite. So totally Rudy Ray Moore. <laughs> You know, they had a, uh, a, a Rudy Ray Moore uh, little mini festival as part of their Black Exploitation Festival at the New Art some years ago, and Rudy Ray was there signing all of his uh, swag, and he did an unbelievable like 40-minute set of the bluest, rawest material you could possibly imagine right there at the New Art before the movie, before the showing of Dolomite and the Human Tornado, which, by the way, is freaking hilarious. Which, Ernie Hudson, Ernie Hudson, young and skinny.
1: Which is your favorite shaft? We have Shaft. Shaft. Shaft's big score. No.
0: Shaft in Africa, no. Shaft in Africa. No, it's just Shaft, the original. Awesome. All right, so shall we uh, dive into television then, Mark?
1: We should wait. Okay. Oh, I'm starting?
0: Yeah, go. You're fire. Go. Boom. You're You No, just explode. Shoot fire <laughs> out your butt. Do do whatever it is that you do.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, we have season uh, three of Sons of Anarchy. Oh. Uh. You didn't like this show, Wade?
0: You know what? I'll, I'll tell you. I, it's okay. I, I, it's an interesting idea. But here's what the problem I have with it is that I'm just sick of Ron Perlman he what? was look, dude you got to admit he, he was in drive he, he's the only bad thing in drive you've got to admit he's not good in drive
1: <laughs> well but well, well, he just why isn't. is he not good he, he not does good. the thing that he does uh, yeah. and is he not good or did Reffin uh, steer him in a I direction just, that you did not personally no approve of? I
0: just I just feel like he I just I think Reffin got the best he could out of him but I just think Perlman is these these kind of burned out. And I hate to say that because I loved him before, Beauty and the Beast and Hellboy and not. But I don't know. He's just he now he's just like a, a stony-faced, ugly old dude.
1: But he's Hellboy. I guess. Anyway, um, Sons of Anarchy is a kind of a cult thing on uh, FX about a guy who is a new dad, but he's also in a biker biker band. He's also in a biker gang. We have uh, Katie Segal, who, for my money, is not. Um, is not the woman on Sons of Anarchy? She's the voice of Lila on Futurama.
0: Katie Seagal.
1: Yes, she's the voice of Lila on Futurama.
0: Okay, all right. Exactly. She's still Katie, like Mom Bundy to me. But okay.
1: Anyway, I really missed. I, I missed the boat on this show. I, I just, it's okay. I just, uh, you know what? What I think is refreshing about it, and I think people uh, respond to, it, is that. It's a totally different environment for a show. True. It's not another cop show. True. It's not another sitcom. It's in a totally new environment that kind of feels fresh, a yeah. little edgy. Yeah. And I think people respond to that. But in terms of the characters I care about, I, I just I'm just not feeling it.
0: Uh you know, there are a lot of comedies on television that just really no, seem there's to be. They just seem to be reaching, and uh, second season of Community. Uh, I, I don't know. It's uh, you know, is, is a community college really a great setting for a sitcom? I don't know. Maybe on the face of it, it sounds like it, but uh, despite a cast that should be a whole lot better, this thing just seems to like stretch. Like it wants to be like Parks and Recreation. It's kind of it has a similar vibe, except instead of you know about public park and recreation? and recreation
1: funny we we don't like it's that not show. that
0: funny it's not that funny but this is this is even less funny and uh you know chevy chase is this where he's gonna finish his career yeah really well
1: it's he well it's certainly the most high profile thing he's done I guess. in a long
0: time i guess i mean whatever it's i mean it, it is a good cast you know ken jong uh, is intermittently funny doing that uh that annoying, you know, Asian stereotypical thing that he does. And uh, you got the guy from, uh, you know, The Soup, um, which used to be a show that you worked on when it was Talk Soup.
1: When it was Talk Soup with Greg Kinnear.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, the second season, they're still trying to be funny. Maybe they'll work it out in the third season. I'll give them time. I'll give them time. You know, Cheers took a few seasons to get going.
1: So. Uh, speaking of a show that took a while to get going, Criminal Minds did not crack the Nielsen Top Ten until its sixth season. Which, But is at is now least on... they stuck
0: with it. Exactly, which I respect.
1: Which is, that's true. Which is now on uh, DVD. Yep. Not Blu-ray. You know who um, who directed one of these episodes? Mm. Uh, Charles Hayde. Oh yeah, yeah. Remember Charles yeah. Hayde from Hill Street Blues?
0: Not only do I remember Charles Hayde, I actually know Charles Hayde's daughter.
1: Ugh, why did I bring it up? Thank you.
0: I mean, <laughs> I you know I I know her sort of uh, secondhand. She's a lovely girl. Uh, no, she and my uh, sister-in-law are very good friends. Grew up together.
1: Uh, anyway stop name dropping uh, Criminal Minds I'm not into it I'm, I'm very happy Joe Mantegna is getting consistent work although that means he was Renko
0: Charles Hayden was Renko
1: on in, Hill Street Blues Hill Street Blues yeah Renko love that show yeah.
0: but, uh, Joe Mantegna is great on this show seriously he's really good
1: he's awesome in everything he does he's all, so all, good. All, although he, he's got a, he's got a throttle back on the uh, black hair dye nobody believes it yeah alright he's too old to have hair that black
0: you know, Police Story was a pretty terrific show back in uh, back in the day. Uh, there was Police Woman and Police Story. I remember that. And uh, Police Story, uh, this, just you know, it, it was one of those '70s era shows that just kind of decided to go gritty. And uh, I really liked that era: Mannix and Starsky and Hutch and Beretta and Police Story and Hawaii Five-O. It was just, it was you know, Kojak. It was a good time. Good time for for cop shows. Anyway, uh, this is the first season of Police Story. 21 episodes from the uh, 1973-74 season. And some great guest stars on here. Really good stuff. James Farentino, Tony LoBianco, Vic Morrow, uh, Ed Asner. Uh, really good stuff. Uh, Dean Stockwell even shows up here. Kurt Russell, a young Kurt Russell. Um, you know what? It's uh really good show. And here's the reason this show is good. You know who created this show?
1: Oh, George Washington.
0: Take a... Take another guess Abraham Lincoln Take another guess LBJ His first name is Joseph
1: What's his last Wait, wait, tell me his last name and then I'll guess Womba. Uh Hang on, hang on, I got it Glenn Larson
0: Pretty close uh, Now, Joseph Womba created this show And uh, if you don't know the name He used to be an LAPD cop And he wrote The Onion Field Of course Yeah, so great, that's uh, why classic. it feels right Didn't last long, but what a great show So first season finally out
1: uh, wait. Speaking of first season, we have the first and, as it turns out, only season of No Ordinary Family. This uh-huh. is a uh, this is an ABC uh, show. ABC was it an ABC Family show. I don't know what it was. was this ABC Family.
0: Yeah, uh, you know what? It what was it, 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 the whole superhero thing. When you try to do like The Incredibles on television crossed with heroes, not working.
1: I know. And thing, you know what's funny? You you would see the pitch. You can you see the pitch in the room. Okay, it's like The Incredibles. But it's live action, and it stars Michael Chiklis, who is in the Fantastic Four. Oh, I get you know, it. I can wrap myself. We can market that.
0: We can. And because it has Michael Chiklis, we could even go to, like, have commercial sponsorship by Chiclets, and he could do a... Exactly. Maybe.
1: Canceled. The show is canceled. Yeah, it was. I also like the fact that the family's name is The Powells. Yeah. Hey, well, people don't realize in movies, before we move on to The Office... Mm-hmm and Big Bang Theory. Yeah. But people don't realize about movies Yeah, is that every character name in a movie yeah. means something. True. People aren't just named like John no. Flemens for nothing. No. There's always like a thing behind it. Exactly. Like so, it, it says something, like the writer is trying to make a, make a comment.
0: Precisely.
1: Now, in No Ordinary Family, the family is called the Powells. Yeah. You know why? Because if you take away the two L's at an, an R, they have powers. Mm. Because they have superpowers. Hmm. Show's lame. All right. I proclaim proclaim this show lame.
0: The Office, season seven on Blu ray and on DVD. Uh, You know, I I guess the the whole. Does The Office really need to be in high def? It's shot like a documentary, a documentary that never ends, uh, that never really even makes sense as a documentary, but it's okay. The style kind of works. Uh, everybody's emulating that style. They imitate it endlessly and ad nauseum now, so uh, why not uh, stick with it? But I don't think it really warrants Blu-ray to that extent. Uh, There's, uh, you know, obviously it's got a new season starting up, and uh, uh, now James Spader is the foil on the show, and we'll see how that works out. But meanwhile, get yourself uh, some Steve Carell going on with Season 7, Blu-ray and DVD, not a whole lot uh, here that you haven't seen a thousand times before. Lots of deleted scenes and extended episodes and commentaries. It's the same drill. Same deal.
1: And stuff and junk. Oh, the Big Bang Theory season four. Um, you know, considering that I am a nerd. Mm-hmm. You know what's funny about being in his? Here's, here's, okay, here's the thing with nerds. And then we'll talk about the Big Bang Theory. Yeah. When we were growing up, if you were a nerd. Yes. You were an outcast. I mean, being a nerd was like true a social death sentence. Yes, it was. It was not cool. No. You got beaten up. Yep. You were an outcast. Yep. You, were not, you didn't have friends except other nerds. That's correct. It was like not a compliment. Precisely. Now, in 2011, now that the nerds have taken over the earth, yeah. it's, like a, it's like cool to be a nerd.
0: I know. It's kind of weird, right? It is kind of weird. Yeah. And uh, the Feels coolest wrong. nerds
1: on uh, TV are definitely the uh, gentleman from Big Bang Theory. This, this is like an Emmy-winning show. It just confuses the heck out of me. Although this is also the season where, um, what's her name, Uh, uh, Kaylee Cuoco or something, she missed a couple episodes because she uh, broke her leg in a horse riding accident. (laughs) So they had to ride her out of two episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, I'm not the biggest fan of this show. I'm just not. I don't get it. Yeah. Even though it's sort of my life. But special features include uh, bare-naked ladies uh, singing the theme song in, in a music video, that's whatever. Gag reel, whatever. I just don't find... Uh, I just Fine. don't get... I, I just miss... You know, I miss the boat on the show, too. I don't find the actors appealing. I find the jokes uh, on the nose. And uh, I just don't get it.
0: So. Well, you know what's actually quite good and what uh, seems to be hanging around taking off is Blue Bloods. We've got the first season here. That Tom Selleck, man, he's, uh, he's got another hit show on his hands. Here he plays a New York City police commissioner, Frank Reagan. I think there's a little political wink and a nod uh, and a nod there. Uh, mm-hmm. and uh, this is all about a a family of cops and uh, you know or a family that is at least integrated into the justice system. The daughter is you know an assistant d a and uh, anyway. It's, uh, I, I like the fact that they sort of transfer this whole thing to a family dynamic. Uh, that makes it interesting. And it's a good cast. It's really well done. Great featurettes here that don't feel like they were pulled from a, a, an EPK. And Tom Selleck is a heavyweight uh, guy to hold this down, man. The guy still got it. So I really dig it. Happy this show is still on the air. Blue Bloods. Wade. Oh, yes. I know. It's painful, isn't it? The memories.
1: <laughs> so many memories. Uh, Roseanne, the sitcom, is available uh, once again. You know, Anchor Bay Do you still
0: have that Kabbalah book that she gave you?
1: Oh, probably not.
0: (laughs) Okay. She gave me a Kabbalah book, didn't she? Yes, she did. Oh,
1: my God. I remember
0: that. I remember when you got it. What did I say? You you said, why did you give me this?
1: (laughs) I remember that. She did give me a Kabbalah book. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know what I hate? I hate that I remember so little of my life. Yeah. That when you say... Remember when Roseanne gave you a Kabbalah book? It's yeah. like, wow, I lived that. Yeah. I have no memory of anything. I, know. I don't even know what I had for breakfast this uh, morning. Cereal, by the way. Right. Anyway, Rose, uh, here's the thing. Anchor Bay Entertainment had released um, uh, all nine seasons on DVD. Yeah. Now, for some reason, Mill Creek is re-releasing them. The big deal... Uh, With the Mill Creek over the Anchor Bay is that the Mill Creek versions are the uncut original broadcast versions of seasons one and two. Uh, The Anchor Bay ones were not. In fact, it's funny because when you look at the uh, packaging for the Mill Creek versions, there is and not a sticker. It's actually printed on the cover as part of the cover art. The complete uncut original broadcast edits of all 24 season uh, two episodes and 23 Mm -hmm. season one episodes. Uh, So I guess if you're a big Roseanne fan, you may want to maybe sell these back to your local record store or or (laughs) get a couple bucks for it and use that to uh, get these on Mill Creek. Mm. I mean, they look fine, I guess, whatever, nothing special. Um, There is some bonus material here, but uh, for history, this is definitely the Mill Creek version for history is the better release. Yes, it is. Of seasons one and two of Roseanne.
0: Uh, this week, of course, as we all know, was the tenth anniversary of nine eleven, and it uh, still blows my mind that it came around so quickly. Ten years just blew by, and uh, you know one of the one of the shows that, well, perhaps the only show that is, sort of was spawned by the aftermath of nine eleven was Rescue Me. Uh, Dennis Leary and um, his partner uh, Peter Tolan created Rescue Me. Uh, as kind of a, an attempt to reconcile themselves with the events of 9-11 and to foster some healing and promote dialogue. And, uh, you know, it all centers around a New York uh, firefighter who, uh, you know, is is trying to s- just survive the aftermath of what that did to the firefighting community and uh, especially to in his own life. It is, uh, it's, it's been an interesting show. It's a show that's taken some peculiar turns along the way, but which was always original, always different. And uh, now the final 19 episodes from the uh, last two years are in one set, the uh, Rescue Me sixth season and the final season. And uh, this comes just shortly after the show actually went right off the air. So they timed this all perfectly right around the, uh, the 10th anniversary of 9-11, a very dignified way to go out. And I, uh, I uh, salute them for it. This includes a gag reel and uh, a bunch of other stuff that's all very smartly put together and um, really a, a great way to go out. I wish every show was, um, was that dignified with their exits. I really do.
1: Oh, uh, the uh, third season of Sanctuary. Uh, Sanctuary is not a good show, but it has an interesting history. It's a Canadian show mm-hmm. that was uh, originally um, a web series. Yeah. And Sci-fi decided that they liked this web series, and that they were going to uh, pick it up and make a, make a TV show out of it. And gosh darn it, they did. And this is the third season. Um, in the fall, Sanctuary returns for a fourth season. This is one of those shows that just sort of keeps going, and I don't know anybody who talks about it, or thinks about it, or writes about it, or watches it. It is bizarre. It's sort of like that show, um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. That thing's in like season eight or something. Do you know anybody who watches that show? There's
0: another season that literally just arrived yesterday. We're going to have to talk about that.
1: Do you know anybody who watches that show? No. Do you know anybody who watches Sanctuary? No. Uh, How do these shows stay on the air? I
0: have no idea. Now, of
1: course, if you're on Sci-Fi, what do you really have to get on on Sci-Fi to, uh, you have to get, what, a two? Three, yeah, something like that. Two, three, nothing to want to know. be a hit on sci fi.
0: Same thing with Ghost Hunters, season six, part one. Let's see, I squeezed another one in there. That's another sci fi show. Hit series from sci fi, Ghost Hunters. Uh, I'm not quite sure why. The, anyway, this, you know. Uh, Gads, this is like uh, CSI for nerds or something. Anyway, that's out there too. Lots of extras on that one. Uh, what else we got there, Mark? Uh, well,
1: we got uh, that 70 show, also from the good folks at Mill Creek. Um, uh, yes. I don't like uh, I never liked that 70s show uh, Because it stars Topher Grace and Ashton Kutcher uh, You know what else They also have like.
0: season 1 And season 2 of Third Rock from, uh, from Mill Creek
1: Wait but also That 70s show Although I don't like Topher Grace And I don't like Ashton Kutcher They still have The delicious And you know what Kurtwood Smith I mean uh, Thir- Mila Kunis
0: And Third Rock Also happens to have uh, John Lithgow Who overacts as badly As anybody could possibly Overact in the new Planet of the Apes film And there we go he was an over-actor. I, I, I wonder now, were we just deluded that we thought John Lithgow was a good actor? Because he's terrible now. He he's really actor. terrible. No, he's bad in, in, in the Planet of the Apes film. He's
1: bad. You hated you hated that movie anyway.
0: Yeah, I did. I really did. Well, anyway, that's it. That's the show. Uh, email us at gods at digigods.com. Send us your lister mail. Send us your lister voicemail. Send us whatever you want. Ask us questions. Harass us. Bother us. And uh, we'll always be here to be beaten up. We'll see you next week.